Hi, everyone. Just a quick note that both of our year-end episodes were recorded shortly before we learned the truly awful news of Kim Jong-hyun's death. If you're interested in hearing some of our thoughts about that, I'd encourage you to seek out some articles written by Tamar and Gabrielle. Tamar's can be found on Forbes.com and Pop Crush, and Gabrielle has a couple of pieces on the Kesara blog. If right now you're not looking for a lighthearted look back at 2017 in K-pop, I'd encourage you to download or bookmark this episode and come back to it later. If that is what you're looking for, just keep listening. This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight, Joe Palmer, and Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're giving away the 2017 K-Pop Unmuted Awards. Joining us is our special guest, Gabrielle Wilder. This is part one of our 2017 K-Pop Unmuted Music Awards. We'll be following up with a part two, and Gabrielle will be here for that too, so look forward to that. Gabrielle is a entertainment writer from Sydney, and she writes for the K-Sarah blog. Welcome to the show, Gabrielle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to join you all. It's great to have you back. We had a lot of fun last year. We thought we would invite you back. We got some good feedback from that show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably my favorite of all the ones I've listened to. Oh, Joe, stop. <laughs> no, I've heard that from other people. The ones I haven't listened to are the ones I've been on, so maybe my <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we can like start with a sort of look back at the year and when I was thinking about it it's kind of the year where reboot kind of trainee shows kind of took over Produce 101 was even bigger than it was before the units on Mix 9 and it really feels like to me the biggest thing is definitely that these younger groups are taking over and the kind of changeover between generations is happening right now. I agree that's one of the big stories. I wonder if you all think that they're fading a little bit. You know, we had Idol School and Mix 9. I don't think got a lot of attention. I'm not sure how well the unit is doing. I mean, I think they're doing decently. I think unit's doing all right. Mix 9 is doing horribly, horribly. <laughs> like, it's just like, if people aren't enjoying watching it, and it, it's obvious why Young Hensek from YG is just getting panned all over Korean internet for being pretty misogynistic on the show. And it just seems to be making people not want to watch it. And I think also Stray Kids for JYP, which isn't a reboot, but it's like one of their trainee shows, is also getting a lot of backlash because they're pulling another twice where like they kicked off members and that they're like, but you have another chance to make it into the final cut. So it just, it just seems like, I mean, I agree with Joe about the generational thing, but it also seems to be like the industry's changing to be more television production focused for the K-pop groups. like rather than the entertainment companies necessarily hiding their talent until... Like, this isn't anything new, but, like, a lot more new talent is being discovered, or not discovered, but, like, showcased through television shows. And the past generation didn't really do that. And I feel like that's kind of a big a big shift. What's also interesting is that before recording this, I listened back to the last year's episode as well. And Stephen mentioned a number of girl groups who had disbanded and a number who were close to disbanding. The ones he called are close to disbanding with Miss A, Secret, and After School. 
all of which haven't officially disbanded yet, although we have had a few more on top of them. But it's interesting that some of these groups are just in total limbo and we have no idea where they're going. We know they're over, but there's been no official word yet. Yeah. And then there are the ones that actually did disband. Like this year just began on such a low because Wonder Girls disbanded. I mean, that just broke mm-hmm. my heart. And then there are others that disbanded afterwards, like Sistar and so on. And at the beginning of the year also, previous years had started quite well with quite a lot of good releases. But this year I really felt like there weren't that many good releases. My most played EP was Um Jungwa's EP that came out in December. So I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, is this where the romance ends for me? Like, is it all over for K-pop? And it really wasn't until Kristen released We Woo that I was like, woohoo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Maybe it's not over, you know. So, And I guess to an extent, Produce 101 probably did light the fire a bit, but I, I haven't really followed the other shows. I kind of felt like I only needed one. Although, to be honest, I actually only did do Produce 101 because I'm a big New East fan and I really wanted to see to see how they did. And so I was pretty pleased to see that they got the love that they deserved. Yes, people, you saw the light. I was also pretty pleased that I felt that the group that came out of it was a really good team, even if they have been served by very, very bad A&R. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really terrible. But, you know, hey, marketing, look what that does. Once again, boy groups do really well and uh, not such a good year for girl groups. But, you know, there's some good ones coming up, I guess, because um, you could add Stella to that list too. I mean, mm-hmm. what's going on with them? It's not looking that good. Who else were we talking about, Stephen? We were just discussing this on Twitter. Yeah, there was a post on Twitter about second-tier girl groups Mm. that have sort of disappeared or disbanding. And Poten, we threw out there. Haven't heard anything from them for a while. They haven't disbanded. Wasn't Speaker this year? Speaker, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my last posts on my blog, actually, before I put my best of the year, is me kind of crying over groups disbanding. And yeah, Speaker was in the... Dalshabet just recently. Dalshabet. Oh, is that confirmed though? I think they haven't officially disbanded, but they lost a couple of members. Oh, two of them haven't signed, yeah. I don't know how other people feel, but I was a big Study Hill fan and they officially disbanded this year, so I was really sad about that. Uh, oh, did yeah. they? Yeah. Wow. They were in it for a really long time, so like good for them, but that's true. Well, a bright spot for me this year is a group of artists that it's not really why I listen to K pop. I'm attracted to K pop because of the spectacle and the fun and the innovation and the concepts and things. But this year, there was really a lot of great music put out by kind of singer songwritery female solo artists, which really wasn't what I was looking for. But, you know, it started out with Subin early in the year with Circle's Dream, speaking of Dal Shabet. And Saran had a great year. Yeah. E.G. and I put out a great album. And then, you know, some of the more established People like IU and Bake Ayon put out great music. I mean, I think that was a lot of the best music that came out was these female solo artists. I like that you didn't mention Hayes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she she did great this year. I didn't get into her that much, but she did put out some really good songs. Well, I mentioned her last year. I mean, that and July was one of my favorite songs from last year. I really hammered that. But I really felt she kind of went, you know, she did a couple of ballads, and I was like, uh, you know, and... I still think she's incredibly talented, but she just went in a direction that was not really to my taste. But I was pretty pleased to see her win that, was it the Mellon Award that she won? 
one of the awards recently and she was the first female to even be nominated, I think, for four years and then she took it out. So, you know, she's incredibly talented. I just like to see her do some stuff that's a little, I don't know, less mellow, I guess. Was there anything else this year that we should talk about? I mean, BTS was the story oh, of the yeah. year probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to just skip that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're everywhere. They're on they're on the radio in the U.S. and the AMAs, and uh, they're they're on Ellen. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. them in Times Square. Like every time I go there on the big TV, <laughs> the lineup. Yeah. yeah, wow, really, that's amazing. So I guess we want to move on to the awards. This is going to be a special award themed series of episodes, as Stephen said at the beginning of the episode. So we'll do a round robin of each award that we want to get. So Joe, why don't you start? Okay. So yeah, I've named all of my awards after other K-pop artists as a way of like giving uh, hints as to what they might be. Fancy. So the first award is the Honey Award. And so the Honey Award goes for the best moment that is five seconds or shorter. And it's <laughs> it's named after Honey because I don't think anyone is better at capturing tiny little moments in whatever she does, you know, and where she's like on stage and being sexy, like how she got all this fame. When she's on variety with her like genius humor. Yeah, she's probably like the pinnacle of what an idol could be to me right now. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll be quicker with both of them because I have two winners of this one. The first one is from a music video and it's from Rookie by Red Velvet. And it's just a really short shot of um, Solgi is coming out. There's, it's sort of like Alice in Wonderland slash Narnia themed. And Solgi walks out of the wardrobe and walks for a little like a couple of steps. And then it joins the rest of the girls and goes straight into dancing without a cut. The reason I really like this is because it, it kind of encapsulates the song and then it's kind of weird sort of childish attraction and that she's looking around sort of confused and then just starts dancing straight away as if nothing else was going on. And just a, a, it's a shot that I've never seen in K-pop before where it kind of combines the dancing parts and the story parts. Yeah, it's kind of surreal. I, I didn't really notice that, I think, until maybe I read it. And it could have been something that you wrote, but I, I read about that somewhere and I went and watched and I was like, wow, that is awesome. Yeah, I did mention it in my, my review. And then second part, before you guys can start giving me your ideas, if you have any, is from Remember by Nine Muses. And this is a musical part where I think before every chorus, it has this same thing, but you can't really hear it as well until before Sojin's rap. And I didn't notice until I was wearing my headphones listening, but there's this, this bass drop and it's just like a, quite a quiet synthy and it's like super low and just goes, Doo, and it just melts me every single time. <laughs> I just adore hearing that. It like it really feels like it's going right down my whole body. And that kind of lowering sound really sets up Sojin's rap because she's got a deep voice rapper and she almost puts on more of a deep voice. And at first I didn't like the book, then when I heard that, it kind of makes it work a little bit more. And yeah, shout out to Nine Muses for keep going with only four members. 
Yeah, so if I had to pick five seconds from K-pop this year, it would be probably from a Dreamcatcher stage. Oh, I knew you would mention Dreamcatcher, Stephen. I knew- right? I've got to sneak them in somehow. <laughs> <laughs> they have so much great stuff in their stages, and there's so many things I could pick, but I thought I would pick a moment. It may seem like kind of an odd pick, but where speed is part of it, like it has to take place in less than five seconds. So, you know, all K-pop groups have a challenge that they have to do these position changes, and there's all these logistics. You've got to get the person who's singing to the front or get the dancer to the front for the dance break or move these people over here and all this sort of stuff. And sometimes it can be done very elegantly and seamlessly, and sometimes it's just sort of people running from one place to another, and then they start dancing as soon as they get there. And the five-second moment from Dreamcatcher is from their Fly High stage, which was the last single they put out. And during the chorus, there's a line, Can't Live Without You, where Jiu, who's the leader with the red hair, if you're watching Mix 9, and Han Dong, the Chinese member, are at the front of the formation. And when they sing Can't Live Without You, they do something cute like, you know, blow kisses or hug or something. And then those two have to get to the back of the formation. And most groups, I think, would just hustle back, and as soon as you get there, you start dancing. But with Dreamcatcher, they've got exactly eight beats, and each one of them takes seven steps right on the beat, and on eight, they hit the move with the rest of the group. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, boom, they hit the move with everybody else. And it's a very subtle thing, and you might not notice it, but it's these details that make their stages so great, I think. Stephen, how many times have you watched this exactly? I've only watched it a couple of times. Just a couple. (laughs) (laughs) I might have watched every stage they did of that. Oh, look, I chase stages too, although this year not so many, but um, definitely, you know, last year with Deepened and uh, Overcome that were on at the same time, every single one of both of those stages. And and recently I may have watched both of them again in one afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I might go, I'm going to bring Nine Muses back for my award because I just think... They're still releasing such great material and they're still so unsung. It's kind of heartbreaking. I feel like one award they could have would be girl group that still keeps going even though they <laughs> they don't really achieve the kind of acclaim that they should. But I'm going to actually go with best whisper rap of the year because I'm a real sucker for a whisper rap. And um, Love City was such a great song and the way it opened with that fantastic whisper rap was just really good. Remember really deserves an award too for being such a prog made a bit of a comeback this year, which is, you know, pretty good, especially when girl groups do it. I know prog's pretty eternal in J-pop, but it comes and goes in K-pop. And um, it was good to see it get some good treatments this year. And Remember was one of them, the way it kind of had all these grandiose ideas that built up and, and came back down again with these layered synths and so on. And then they came back with Love City, which was just this really snappy little bop. Two really great songs from Nine Muses who just keep going on. Bless them. And I just hope we don't see the last of them too soon. Yeah, you're here. So we've gone through Joe and Gabriel and their first awards. So what about you, Stephen? My first category, a fairly conventional one. This one started with a song, you know, rather the song came first rather than the category. I thought I had to do one for BTS's cover of Soteji's Come Back Home. And so this is the award for best cover of the year. <laughs> and 
I really, I really love that song, and I thought for sure that that song would win when I, I started thinking about this category. But then I remembered that IU did like a whole album of covers. So if you put IU in a category, that's tough to beat. And there were there were a bunch of covers related to Soteji's 25th anniversary project, and most of them were great. But one that I came across that really blew me away was Saran's remake of Sad Pain. I wasn't really familiar with Sad Pain, but it's a kind of a grungy rock song. It's just like a perfect remake because, first of all, Saran is great, of course, but she does a very quirky, kind of gravelly rap that is not an imitation of Soteji, but it's very reminiscent of it. And her version of the song is very pop, but it does have these distorted metallic sounds and it has a little bit of electric guitar. So it references the rock ballad that Soteji put out, but it's still a very different song. So that is my pick for cover of the year against some very tough competition. And by the way, if I could have an honorable mention, it would be Yoohyun from Dreamcatcher's cover of Little Mix's Secret Love Song. Oh, wow. Which doesn't qualify because that's in English. But if you go listen to that, like, don't do it in a public place because you'll just be weeping. <laughs> you know, you'll, people will be worried. <laughs> I was going to jump on your cover there. And you mentioned how IU is really good. I really liked, I really liked the single Last Night's Story. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Last Night's Story was the single, but I really liked the song Secret Garden. I don't remember offhand who was the original singer, but that album, I really like old school Korean songs and I just feel like I don't know enough of them. And she always, because she always goes back into the musicians who like Koreans know, but the international fans, these aren't covers that people are doing generally. They're not like H.O.T. or Soteji. Like they're not stuff that I would have ever encountered before. It can be quite hard actually, I think as a foreign K-pop fan to, to hear, to get access to the, to the older stuff. I mean, you can get on YouTube and the algorithm will throw stuff up, but how do you guys find, you know, like what's the easiest way to find, you know, old stuff? So if I know of them, like if I know the song that is famous or something, like for IU's album, I went and looked on Apple Music to listen to all the originals and compare. Oh, right. But stuff that you haven't heard of before, you you know what I mean? I like, won't, I just won't stumble upon it unless like I'm watching. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so difficult. I mean, even even stuff, older stuff by bands that I listen to, it's... I don't know, because there's mm -hmm. only so much time in the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And you even know about that stuff, you know. So even, you know, it's, I mean, I only just, this is probably embarrassing, but I only just discovered Figaro the other day. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, what an incredible jam that is, you know. I'm like, oh, boy, I've got to add that to my 2017 playlist because otherwise <laughs> I'm never going to do it, you know. Like, so there's all this other stuff out there that is by bands that we haven't even heard of that we're probably going to like. I tried to get into Soteji more this year and I had Spotify and he had the like second album he did with Soteji and the boys. And then 
everything's on YouTube, but like, I find if I'm sitting at home, I won't listen to something properly. I need it like on the go. And like the second Soteji and the Boys album is not that good. So I gave up trying to do this whole retrospective quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing too, is you need something curated, don't you? Mm-hmm. So Tamar, was that your pick or do you have oh, a... I, uh... I forgot that I had another work. So my award was actually kind of similar to Joe's, but rather than focusing on five seconds of a song or a music video, it's like my favorite viral moment of 2017, which I think that K-pop kind of always gives us some of those. And I was kind of torn between two, so I'm going to mention both and then say which one I liked more. So I don't know if anybody watched Produce 101, but that Jihoon like square thing, the Nima Mesoke So Jojang thing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I did watch it. I've seen it, but I don't know if I understand it. it. it he's pretty yeah. much saying, like, you're inside my heart, ta-da. And it's really weird. <laughs> and people love it. And I just find it really weird and bizarre. But it's just kind of funny that everyone in Korea is now doing it. And also the, the Hyungwon from Monster X, the, like, Starbucks mic drop meme. <laughs> I think it's the funniest. Was that yeah. He's just like, if you don't know, if you don't know, and listener who's listening to this... I honestly don't know how you've avoided it if you follow us and listen to us because it's everywhere on Twitter. Hang on at Monster X, he like picks up his mic and then puts it down looking really, really sassy and then just like sips his Starbucks and it like went viral. And I think that's definitely like the Jihoon thing is like kind of cute in Korea, but I think it's very, it's always really funny to me when a, a Korean, like something about K-pop goes viral and people don't realize that it's like a K-pop thing. The best part about, mm-hmm. about that meme was that I read that he he wasn't going to speak. He, like, it wasn't his turn to speak or anything. He just picked a mic and then put it down for no reason and sipped on his iced coffee or whatever it was. It's just so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I had like memes and sarcasm. So it was like my favorite moment of the year. And then one more that I feel like kind of needs like an honorable mention is like Jin's Worldwide Handsome thing at the BBMAs, which I don't necessarily believe. And I'm going to just put that out there that there was like a lot of coverage about it, but they kept on reusing the same people's tweets. But I think it's kind of fascinating that it has bubbled into something else. It kind of reminds me of like how Nana's the, like the most beautiful woman in the world. Some other sort of virality out of uh, something that maybe is or isn't. Except the Nana one is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to yell at you about that list again. <laughs> I hate that list so much. Well, tomorrow I thought for sure you would choose the Gashina Gun Dance. So I have, oh, actually, I'm not looking at my list and I ended up cutting out Gashina. I think Gashina's gun dance isn't necessarily a viral moment. It's something that's just like, I mean, it is, but it's related to like, it reminds me so much of 2009 of like G and one and nobody and sorry, sorry. Like, it's not a viral moment in the same way as like Kyungwon being a meme or Jihoon yeah. doing that. Okay, It's the dance the year though isn't it like you know every year there's like one point move that takes over career and i think gashino is the one this year right yeah it's the, it's the tt of this year it is the tt of this it's the point move and like i love gashino in so many so many ways and just like i'm so happy that everyone in korea knows the dance yeah it's cool yeah so joe we started with you so why don't you give us your second award sure sure so this one has a longer title actually and it's called subversive or repressive the Stellar Award for Sexual Ambiguity. <laughs> Ooh, wow. <laughs> and I've got some short nominees before as well. So there's Ace with their hot pants for the cactus dance, which is like <laughs> potentially a great moment in like furthering gender fluidity and like what boys and girl groups do. But also 
maybe they're just making fun of everything. It's like, oh, it's funny that they're like girls. In the same way that whenever boy groups cover girl group songs, they do drag. And it's all like hilarious that these boys are dressing up as girls. Oh, unless it's Ren. Come on. Props for Ren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. But Ren is very much a special case. Hyuna also gets a, a nomination, but she's only nominated because I think Babe and Lip and Hip have really like cemented her more self-aware place, whereas usually she's just unashamedly herself. Now she's like pointing that back at everyone. Some people thought she was infantilizing herself, but I think it's pretty clear that she wasn't and that it was all part of no. the kind of yeah. in-joke. No, I love what she's doing. It's fantastic. Yeah, she's one of my artists of the year for sure. Yeah. Of yeah. course, Stellar themselves have been nominated. Less for the sexual ambiguity, just for general ambiguity and not knowing what they're doing, bringing in the member and like maybe they were going to shoot a porno. It's a horrible mess to see them in. But the winner is something, an idea that's probably more so just personal to me, but the winners are uh, Daya with sort of all of their songs. <laughs> and it's connected more to their earlier songs. And I think I, I do this when I, I like a group and their kind of lyrical content could be seen as, you know, very sexist and like submissive girls all the time. And I think I sometimes try and wrap these more subversive themes onto the songs like project onto them and like oh no it's actually like subversive and that's why it's good when maybe they are just catering to the uncle fans as they call them like my friend's boyfriend was quite interesting they used to have this very like hectic and a ago style but then this year they've kind of a bit more generic and really go out with me i think is interesting in that that title suggests them being a bit more active but lyrically they kind of it's not too submissive, but they're like, they're still nervous. You know, Puyhyun in her rap, she's getting jealous of other girls, you know. And then the further they went on, it just became a little bit more generic. And by the last song they put out, kind of stripped them of all their personality, and especially Puyhyun, who I think is one of the best female idol rappers. And so it has, they've become this sort of, more like a typical cutesy girl group and they've from going like the totally potentially interesting kind of ideas to this kind of ambiguity that uh, has earned them this not very prestigious award. Well, I hate to harp on the same thing over and over, Joe, but I think you missed a major potential nominee for that category, which is the Gashina performance where they switched the male and female uh, dancer yeah. roles. That was that was a highlight for me this year, yeah. no matter what category you want to put that in. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be ambiguous in the sense that maybe they're just, again, doing it to be a little bit dramatic, you know, and sort of make a like a kind of scandal more so than a, than a like actually... A commentary. Yeah, yeah. progressing. But I don't, I don't think that with Sunmi. I think she strikes me as someone who is a little bit more weird and progressive than most Koreans. I mean, that's totally based on nothing pretty much, but <laughs> I, do, I do get that sense from her. She seems like a really interesting person. Well, I mean, just uh, jumping off what Steven said, I thought for sure you would mention Taemin with Move, the music video, because it's sort of like he's trying to be androgynous in the dance, but then at the same time, he's from SM. So do I really believe that 100%? I, I, I do, but I also spoke to him. So I don't know how unbiased I am anymore. He's very convincing. I, I mean, there's sometimes, I mean, just like when you do interviews with K-pop stars, sometimes they're just literally copying word for word what their A&R people are telling them to do. And he was definitely not doing that. 
Gabrielle, you went second the last time. So what's your second award category? Oh, boy. Um, well, there's so many things we could do. You know, like, obviously, best lunar song. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody has to do that. Do That's that. right. My backup was the Luna Award for best lunar song. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'm going to talk about, I know we've already covered Produce 101, but I, I want to nominate 101 as the most successful sale of the year. Because I feel like, okay, so they did a great job with the team, you know, pretty hard to argue with the final 11. And, in fact, the pool was so deep that you ended, wound up with JBJ, who were also a pretty good team, and they had a hit with Fantasy, and then you've also got Reigns. Okay, Juliet didn't do so well, but a great song that's on my top 20 of the year, really cool funk song. So, you know, you've got this really deep pool. But then so 101 come up with this <laughs> mostly pretty banal song, but nevertheless, Rise to the top of the charts and they sell, how many copies did they sell? 600,000 copies or something like insane amount. They're the top selling debut album since I think uh, H.O.T. Wow, right? That's just incredible. So, So this all speaks to the power of television and marketing and these, you know, lovely boys who are talented no question, you know, and work really hard. We all know work to the point that who knows how much longer they can go on. And then you look at, you know, when we last year we talked about IOI, you know, and I think I was going bananas over very, very, you know, that was one of my favorite songs. And But IOI had consistently good songs the whole time. And to me, these two stories are K-pop in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, the girl groups consistently have really great songs. They're really successful boy groups. But okay, sometimes they have good songs, sometimes they don't. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't even know if this is an award, but it could be. You could nominate a, a whole bunch of the boy bands <laughs> for this award. I'll give it to 101. And, yeah. I guess that's just a little bit of commentary on the K-pop mm-hmm. industry. <laughs> I think this year, especially when I look back, like usually I, I would prefer girl groups, of course, but this year the big boy groups really didn't show up for me. I mean, I think BTS had a pretty good year. I can't think of anyone else of the like major boy groups who really like put out a great song that I can remember straight off. That's true. Actually. A lot of the rookies had good years, though. Like, um, yeah. A bunch of them, like SF9, Victon. Mm-hmm. Um, Top Secret and- um, Matt, A lot of those guys put out multiple good songs I guess, Stephen, what was your second award? Well, my second award, I'm sure you're all expecting this one Is Best Use of an Animal Sound in a K-pop <laughs> I was song It's so predictable, Stephen, honestly <laughs> It is, it is And I, I think the first nominee probably actually is predictable Which is Red Velvet Zoo Zoo, right? Elephants, I mean, just for sheer variety you got to put that one in there. And I'm including Tarzan in there, too, because humans are animals, and that's a very animalistic <laughs> sound, and Solgi, I think, really owned the Tarzan yell. That's a strong contender. Second nominee is Meow Meow by CLC from their Crystal album, which I thought was really good, which was the, you know, the album that sounded a lot like four minute. And the strength of that nominee is just the variety of ways in which they use the meow sound. So they sort of 
pronounce it phonetically, like mayo, mayo. <laughs> and then they pronounce it sort of, they say mew, mew, which is how I think some people make the cat sound. And then they also use kind of a long cry at the end of the bridge to take them out of the bridge into a, a final chorus. So they made, I think, full use of the cat meow in that song. And then the final nominee is G-Dragon's Bullshit, where he once again goes back to the Bow Wow Wow Yip Yo Yip Ye, that is a great lyric. He'd used it in Coup d'etat. I don't know if it's a call out to Snoop Dogg or to George Clinton, but I'm going to pretend like it's to George Clinton because that's who it should be to. And I'm going to give the award, of course, to CLC because it's such a good song and CLC gets an award every year, no matter what. So they get best use of an animal sound in a K-pop song. Well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I think if Zoo had used Sulgi's Tarzan a little bit more, I would have gone yeah. for that. But yeah, that would have been tough. Yeah. That should have been featured more. That should have. Well, my next award category is a little bit. It's a long title, but I think it makes it a little. It's a little bit more typical. It's the best single after coming back without. A member or two. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to tell you my nominees and then I'll tell you which one I like the most and why. So 21 Goodbye, even though like they disbanded the year before, they did release the song without Minzy this year. And then Winner really, really was like, will they, will they not now that their lead singer had left the group? And TR, what's my name? Like, well, <laughs> we've lost literally half the group. And then Highlight, can you feel it? They lost one of their main vocalists. And I'm going to pick the last one, even though I really, I really was having a hard time choosing pretty much the only one that wasn't an actual candidate for this was 21 Goodbye, which if you know me is not a surprise because I was a huge 21 fan when they debuted. And then after that, I was just like, oh, okay. But I'm going to go with highlights because I a, feel bad for the way that boy bands are being shaded during this episode. But also, <laughs> also because Beast was like one of the first K-pop groups I followed since before debut. So the fact that they were able to come back with like a song that felt very much them and that was essentially telling their fans like don't be sad about like that we changed our labels and we changed our member lineup and our name like it felt kind of exactly what they should have done and what's my name and really really did that too like they were just great songs but um i think highlight has more meaning for me in that category but i was just really i was trying to come up with categories and i was like Oh, there were actually a lot of those groups this year that released music. It's really pleasing to see Highlight success, I have to say. It's, it's really gratifying given the way the, the whole k-pop system operates and i don't know i worried that they wouldn't be able to do it and so it's just so great to see that it's working and i really hope they can make a go of it in the in the long term i feel like highlight is kind of puts all of the k-pop stereotypes on their head like yes they were like formed through a tv show and yes they were formed like under a label um that was pretty big but they 
they have now become a group that does produce for themselves. They do have a set style of music, and like you can hear a highlight song and be like, "Oh, this is a highlight song." I have to say, you missed the very obvious best one, which was "Rollin'" by Brave Girls. Oh, I did forget. Oh well, mm-hmm. oops. Anthem of the year, maybe. Also, what's up's color TV? What's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was some more. When you said that, I was like trying to think of some more. Brave Girls was one. I think he was up. But there's still some others as well. But I, I thought you were going to go with New East or maybe like did Super Junior qualify for Super that? Junior I wouldn't qualify. I, I guess I could. And I guess I could do New East too. But New East is just like temporary hiatus. These are like. Yeah, New East is temporary. New East is temporary. Minions temporary. And yeah, okay. Super Junior okay. might be temporary. So I didn't even think about them. But yeah, you're right about New East and Super Junior also. There's so many. Also nine music. Right? Oh, yeah. Why yeah, is there so many yeah. in this category this year? I don't know. Is it the K-pop? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is that what we're discussing here, actually? <laughs> it sometimes feels like that, yeah. So that's it for part one of our 2017 K-pop Unmuted Awards. The four of us are going to take a moment and reflect and try to come back with a better image for part two. <laughs> so anticipate that, please. <laughs> Gabrielle, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you some more about 2017. Uh, if people want to connect with you online, where is a good place to do that? I am on Twitter at Gabrielle Wilder, and you can go to my blog, ksera.blogspot.com. The letter K-S-E-R-A? Yep. You can find me at Tennessee Appeal. Joe, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at Captain Joe Hook, and... You can find me at cultscene.com, hopefully more in the new year when I go back home and have lots more time. Tomorrow, where can people find you online? You can find me at Tomorrow Writes on Twitter and Instagram and my articles at Billboard and Forbes and Cultscene. You can visit Cultscene at cultscene.com, cult with a K, and follow us on Twitter at cultscene.com. If you're listening on a web page or SoundCloud, please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>